Hey, my friend, welcome to the Growth Vault Podcast. Josh here. I'm going to be super, super fast. Now, before I sunset this podcast and reveal all of the epicness that I have waiting for you, because I'm not going anywhere. I'm doubling, tripling, and quadrupling down. It's Joshua 2.0 coming at you. Uh, what I'm going to do is give you a gift. This is a gift to the world. Are you ready? It's called Recession Marketing. Uh, if you've been living under a rock, maybe you didn't hear that I've been doing trainings for a month inside of a Facebook group. It's free. Just look for Recession Marketing. However, the content's going to be pulled out of that group here very shortly. Now, as a gift to the podcast listeners, I'm going to publish the audio of all these trainings back to back to back to back. It's going to give you hours of juiciness, all kinds of things that will make you literally make you money uh, for real. So I haven't done something like this before. I hope you love it. Just remember this. In the show notes for this episode and all the episodes I'm going to publish, there's a link where you can actually watch the videos of this. Some of the content won't make as much sense because it's a video training and I show examples sometimes and I have doodles and things like that. So if you're confused on one, just click the link in the description. You can watch the video version of it. And also, don't forget to go to Watch Josh Pitch. Dot com. It'll make sense when you listen to some of these trainings where I'm going to break down how I put together a sales pitch for a program that's going to make a million dollars virtually instantly. So it'll all make sense as you after you go through all this content. Uh, listen to it while you can. You're not going to regret it. It's a big deal. Love you. Let's get started. Hey you, welcome back to Recession Marketing. We're gonna talk about persuasion hacks. It's kind of like a part two from the other one where we talk about social persuasion. Uh, but we're gonna go a little bit deeper. I'm gonna give you some really interesting examples of things that you can start practicing, working on, and testing to make more money in your business because it's awesome. You see, there's so much more money made with your brain than you're ever gonna make with your back. You do not build wealth by working hard. You use leverage, you use your brain, right? The, the people that dig ditches or fry french fries or do any end deliverable make the least amount of money. And if that's unfair, then I'm sorry, it's just the way it works, right? Because it doesn't matter what country, what language, what continent we're on, the person that's laboring with their back makes less than the visionary person, either using communication skills, making money with their words and their ability to move people, or people that are ideators and imagineers like the Walt Disney, Elon Musk type people of the world. And uh, anyway, we're going to talk about persuasion hacks. First, though, I want to give the definition of persuasion. Yeah, because I'm thinking it's like manipulation. Is that like like manipulation yeah a lot of people think that right you know i i used to think that actually in fact when we were poor remember we used to live in a trailer park remember that oh yeah good time we had good memories we had good there. times lots of ramen but it wasn't fun when they repossessed my car and then we lost everything and filed bankruptcy but that hey i digress i'm just saying pain is an excellent teacher which is part of the way i learned all this stuff in the first place uh was because out of necessity right but i used to feel guilty when people would buy stuff for me but not only do I not feel that way now, I feel the opposite of that. Uh, a phrase that my friend Myron Goldnoy says is that it's your moral obligation to sell your stuff to as many people as possible. Yes. It's your moral obligation. For example, if I do this training and I don't even try to get you to buy something from me, I'm actually hurting you. Yeah. And the reason why is that the only way I can serve you at a high level is if I work with you one-on-one, -on -one, right? So if you think you're getting value out of this, can you imagine what it would be if we work together more intimately or closely together, right? Yeah. I can't help 
all these people unless they pay. There's there's two reasons people pay. There's the they pay uh, to get access so that the person is uh, reciprocated who's teaching, but they also pay for themselves because when you make an investment in yourself, the likelihood of you achieving your outcome infinite infinitely goes up because people who don't pay don't pay attention as closely, right? So our definition that we teach our five kids of persuasion is when you use all of your skills and abilities to help someone make a decision that's in their own best interest. That's what it is. Manipulation, on the other hand, is when you use your skills and abilities to help someone make a decision that's in your best interest only, right? So manipulation is everywhere. And technically speaking, babies are manipulators. When they cry, they want to eat food, right? They, they manipulate. So it's not always like diabolically evil, right? People are passive aggressive. People use all kinds of games to get what they want. Persuasion is simply being careful with your words, clarity, clear in your communication, using clarity and being tactful in how you articulate what it is you're trying to get across and helping move people across the finish line to buy your stuff. Because I can tell you something right now, a lot of your competitors are not good people. They don't love their employees like you do. They do not do the right thing when no one's looking. They are money hungry, obsessed, money lover, greedy, narcissistic jerks. A lot of these people, period. You know who I'm talking about. Okay. I'm assuming that that's not you. And the problem is, is good people market the quietest and move the slowest because they're so scared that they don't want to take advantage of someone. Are you kidding me? The fact that you're thinking that thought is the perfect evidence that there's no way you're taking advantage of anybody, okay? People that are stressed out that they're going to be a bad father, they're not the ones that are bad fathers. Can I get an amen, right? Amen. Like they're not losing sleep over the fact that they're a bad father, okay? People that are worried about that are the ones that have the moral obligation because you not selling harder, you not sharpening your sword with these skills and these persuasion skills, you like neglecting to get good at this stuff isn't serving your customers. And if you cared about them at all, you would sharpen your sword with this because you're not stopping them from buying. You're just stopping them from buying from you. And that ain't good. So good. Okay. Ready to disappear? Yep. Here I go. Here we go. Okay. This is a little deep, but I think you'll get it. And uh, we're going to have some fun. So the first thing, all, all of these things have to do with like the way you use words, basically. Okay. The first one is tone. Now, tones seem self-explanatory, but what I want you to do is I want you to record some of your calls that you have with your customers because there's there's the way you think you sound on the phone, then there's the way that you actually sound on the phone. Another thing you can do is get one of these pocket cameras that you put in your in your pocket and it kind of records audio or video and audio when you go do a sales pitch or you meet with a customer. If you do everything online, just record them and go back and watch yourself because the way we think we sound is not the same thing as the way we sound. We have to be very intentional about all these things, starting with tone. Tone can reframe an entire conversation. If I tell my child, I say, uh, Judah, stop hitting your brother. That means a certain thing. If I say, Judah, stop hitting your brother. That, that kind of like amplifies things. I said the same words. I said that. Did I say the same words? You said the same words. I word. think I said the same words. The same words. Tone is a game changer, right? Well, but, and if you have teenagers, you know how you, that you have said, don't use that tone with me. So you know what tone <laughs> yeah. is good and bad. Yeah, we know we know negative tone when we see it, right? But, um, but, but good tone. We need to practice using tone, right? The next thing is mirroring. Now, mirroring is when you model the person you're talking to. And you've probably heard this. This is kind of sales 101. But I want you to ask yourself if you're actually cognizant of this and doing it. And if you're training your team to do it. When, when I talk to a four foot 10 blue haired grandma, 
who's 78 years old. I talk to her totally and fundamentally differently than I talk to a 31 year old attorney with a Porsche and a trophy wife, you know, and he's cocky and in a hurry and he's so busy and he's so important. And he's so self-absorbed, right? I, I'm good with him being self-absorbed, but I just communicate different. I'm blunt. I'm to the point. I give facts. I leave out details. I'm quick. Boom. I'm efficient. Right. Mr. Jones, we're going to be there at three o'clock. Uh, you can call us at any time. We can switch things. I just want you to know everything to get taken care of. We're going to build the credit card on file or I can send you an invoice. Which one's easier for you? Perfect. Got it. We'll see you Tuesday unless something comes up. Boom, boom, boom. When I'm talking to the grandma, the way I mirror her is based on her mannerisms, her language patterns, her speed and pace that she speaks at. Right. So so if she talks slower, I'm going to slow down. So so Edith, wait, what was the lady's name? Ethel. Ethel. Ethel, uh, our team is going to be at your house on Tuesday morning at 9 a.m. Is that okay? Perfect. Uh, the first thing they're going to do, and I might explain the process and more thoroughly to make her feel really comfortable, right? Because maybe she's more nervous and it's a big deal for her. That's what mirroring is. It's not just mirroring their mannerisms. Like for example, if someone crosses their arms, you cross your arms. If they start itching their head, you start itching your head. The, these are neuro-linguistic programming techniques to like make people like you more subconsciously. We don't have to go all the way down that rabbit hole, but if you want to study that, study NLP. Uh, but basic mirroring is just modeling the way you communicate after the person you talk to. The next one is pacing. Pacing super interesting and it's not just speed, okay? It's not just speed, although speed is really important. Uh, when to be a good communicator, you need to you need to vary your speed. You don't just go 100 miles an hour, you don't just talk like a simple broken record that talks the same pace the whole time because in conclusion class we want, right? That's you lose people, right? And you use it to make points. So for example, if I'm going to do a video, there's parts where I'm going to talk really fast. There's parts where I'm going to talk really slow. There's parts where I'm going to slow down and hammer one word. Uh, and for example, right? Hey, what's up, guys? Josh Latimer here. Welcome back to the Growth Vault Podcast. How the heck are you? I got a question for you. Are you doing okay? Really? Tell me the truth. Are you doing okay? That's an example of me using pacing to epiphanize and give dopamine to people that are listening, right? So you talk really fast. Their brain can't catch up. It's trying to listen. It's trying to listen really fast. Ah, and it's exciting and people like it. It's, a, it's actually addicting when people are talking fast like that, but you have to pace it back down. So these are techniques. And then I put in parentheses here, the laugh cry loop. Yeah, I feel a little triggered by that. Like you're calling me out maybe. <laughs> <laughs> what, the laugh cry loop? Yeah, because I like to laugh and cry so at I the same time. I put it under pacing and this is something we've never shared uh, publicly, but this is uh, the technique we use when we do keynote speeches or we speak somewhere, right? I've used this for years. It's amazing. Really, movies use this. It's kind of a thing, but maybe you haven't thought of it, right? So when we're preparing, we were just in Nashville and gave a presentation at the huge convention. There's like, I don't know, a thousand people there or something. Yeah. And uh, and when we're, when we're building out our, our points we want to make, what we do is we try to oscillate between belly laughs and then almost wanting to cry, right? So, so this is <laughs> this is like the dark art. I actually art. do cry, but you know. Yes, yes, it's it's real, but it's strategic, right? So we tell this story here because it's so ridiculous. Oh my gosh, it's so funny, and it's followed up either by something heavy or or dark or just hard, right? And you do that on purpose because by the end of the presentation. You're oscillating through, you're oscillating through. It's like a crescendo and a low and a crescendo and a low. And then you end on a crescendo 
full of passion and inspiration and motivation. Thank you. Good night, New York. Have a great day, right? But that is the type of thing that uh, people do that leave people wanting more. Does that make sense? Yeah, and it feels very epic to them. Like, oh my gosh, what had happened? And they, they sometimes can't even explain why they feel that way. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, they, they don't know. And even if you know this stuff, it still works on you. Like knowing it doesn't change anything because you're going to watch a movie tonight and still laugh at the laugh parts, cry at the other parts and then say, God, that was the greatest thing ever and not know why you feel like that. This is why you feel like that. Okay. The next one, we talked about tone. We talked about mirroring. We talked about pacing. Let's talk about alliteration. This one's a little more uh, advanced, but it's something I'm personally obsessed with. And I'm always, always, always looking for ways to use alliteration or things similar to alliteration. Now, if you don't know what alliteration is, it's when you use, if you, if you use a bunch of words that all start with the same letter and you're like, what are you talking about, Josh? I told you this is a little advanced. Okay. But when, if you're a, a company or a salesperson or you're writing the ad copy for your thing, or you're writing the video script for your thing, when you understand these elements, these ingredients, the end result of what you're going to create is completely freaking different than all of your competition who doesn't know any of this stuff. Okay. An example of alliteration is when you, you might say, instead of, let's say I want to invite you to, uh, watch this training recession marketing. And I might say, Hey guys, I know a lot of you are, you know, really busy, you know, you're struggling financially and you know, I just want to teach you stuff. So come, come join the training. Okay. That's fine. Or I might say, listen, some of you are broke, busy, stressed, and skeptical. Either way, I want you in this training. That's a better way to say it. Well, one of the reasons why it's better, I talked faster, but I used alliteration. I said, broke, busy, stressed, skeptical. I do this all the time. You'll start to notice it more <laughs> now that I pulled back the curtain on it. But it's not just me. I mean, I've learned these skills. I've paid hundreds of thousands of dollars to learn these skills from people way smarter than me. Uh, but it works and it makes for powerful content. The way that you teach changes everything, right? Words are power. Words, there's life and death in the power of the tongue. Words can create and destroy. And so carefully crafting your words in certain instances is is very very profitable activity to do uh so alliteration another one is emphasis so i saw this amazing exercise from alex hormozzi i'm going to share it with you here's the sentence okay i'm going to show you why emphasis alone can change the entire meaning of a state of, of one single statement here's the statement i didn't say he beat his wife got it I didn't say he beat his wife. That's the sentence, okay? Now, only using emphasis <laughs> creates like five different outcomes from this one sentence, ready? Here we go, you ready, Ash? Okay. I'm so ready this for is this, so I'm interesting. so excited. It's so interesting. Uh, so, I didn't say he beat his wife. Hmm, interesting. Let me do it a different way. I didn't say he beat his wife. Hmm, that means literally something totally different, am I right? Okay, how about this? I didn't say he beat his wife. Wow, what, what did he do to his wife then? Huh. I didn't say he beat his wife. So look, the sentence is the same. The delivery of the sentence is what changed. And the only thing I changed was what word I emphasized or highlighted. Think of emphasis as a bold uh, to words coming out of your mouth, right? If you're in a Google or a Microsoft Word document and you bold a word, that's what you're doing when you emphasize, <laughs> emphasize something. I didn't say he beat his wife. 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 Emphasis changes everything. And so when you're unpacking the value of the stuff that you do for your customers, how do you know which words to emphasize and which ones to not emphasize? You just start looking for it. It's not hard, but it's just we're not slowing down our brain to even think about this stuff. 
Should I keep going on that or did I get no, my point across? You got, okay. got your point across. Great. The other one is enthusiasm. Enthusiasm, we've talked about, right? It's contagious. Uh, Alex Ramosi's definition of sales is simply the transference of enthusiasm, or I call it an enthusiasm transplant. That's like your core job as a sales guy is to be so freaking fired up that you can't even stand yourself. You know, a lot of larger organizations or even some of the people I do high ticket consulting for, one of the things that we talk about is we need to silo their sales team away from their customer service team. And the reason that I do this and a lot of smart companies do this is you don't even want your salespeople to ever even hear the story of the one star review person. You don't want them to ever have a crack in their armor of the certainty of the epicness of your services because the enthusiasm comes from belief that you are changing people's lives. And if they don't believe it, their enthusiasm goes down and that means their sales goes down. It's actually one of the reasons it's really hard to be an entrepreneur because unless your company's really big, you're the one doing the sales but you also know the truth of how messy your business is on the back end and that it's not perfect and that you do drop the ball and that your employee did smell like weed and showed up and you told like, now you got to fire him and there's just stuff happening and you have to basically have two versions of yourself. You have to have the method actor, turn the hat backwards, like over the top, enthusiastic certainty sales guy version. And then you got to be the CEO that actually makes your business better. Uh, and you don't want to blend them together, but enthusiasm alone uh, changes the game. Did you want to say something? I you, actually, you have a, a laughing look on your face. I am just laughing because I realized um, I just recently bought a, a table, a kitchen table. And I remember the lady I bought it from was so excited. And so then I was so excited. Is that when you FaceTime like, me from like, the you, place? She's like, did you see it? That lady tried to buy that table too, but that was, that was the last table. And I was like, Oh my gosh. Like she just kept on valid. And I left there so jacked. And you and spent a thousand dollars. I did. And we already and have I a table. So, and we already have a table. And I was so excited about this table. Like for two days straight, I was so excited. <laughs> and now I'm realizing as you're talking about this right now, it's all because of the way the sales lady responded. Yeah. Like, it, honest to God, this is a perfect <laughs> example. I guarantee you didn't buy that table. If she hadn't have done that. Cause you weren't like, trying to necessarily walk out of the table you're just looking if you would have got brushed off do you want to you're not this? buying the table yeah and then she called to see if she could deliver it to my location and she's like oh someone already tried to buy this right now like that's what she said and i was like well no they're not because i'm gonna buy it like she's a ninja we need to go hire her <laughs> that's really good um okay let's keep going the next one is interesting repetition almost Every small business owner fails miserably at this. Uh, even me, you know, this is hard. I, I feel like I'm I, I'm out. The last couple of years have been quiet because I've been raising my kids and I was just like kind of living the dream and, and, and hadn't started any new projects. Um, but repetition is huge and we don't put ourselves out there enough. I said in a previous video, we don't make enough offers. You don't just tell people what you do. Half of your Facebook friends don't even know what you actually do, which is just crazy. Like what services you do that you're using your Steve Irwin enthusiasm to like explain it but it's also repetition, it's showing up. Here's a little dirty secret, okay? You don't even need to be good if you show up a lot to still win and crush it. Like you don't. That's why I call it the celebrity code. A friend of mine, uh, Daniel Den, he had a product called, I think it was called the celebrity code, wasn't it? Yeah. And yeah. the title was so cool, but basically the premise is like, like you become a celebrity just by showing up a lot. 
You don't have to be good. And people start to like you and trust you. And this is scientifically proven, by the way, with lots of studies, that frequency of seeing someone makes people like them. Uh, not every person, but on average, it goes up and up and up and up. I heard a story about Bruce Springsteen when he got a record deal back in the 70s. Nobody liked his music at all, like at all. But the studio had spent so much money, like a half a million dollars back then, recording his little EP or album and they were paying radio stations payola just paying paying to play it and nobody liked it so what did they do they doubled down they got another million and just kept paying them to play this stupid song everyone hated on repeat what do you think happened it became a number one song but it took like an extra year because people hated it eventually it was in their head the same thing can happen with your business you have to be a broken record you have to chop the wood we have t-shirts for our kids that say keep chopping wood what does that mean it means what we're talking about here it's doing the hard things chopping the wood it's showing up <laughs> I actually did that on accident. Doing the hard things, chopping wood, showing up over and over and over. And when you do that, you unlock the celebrity code for yourself with whatever service or business you're having when you're just consistent. Next one is opening loops, which I briefly touched on before. Opening loops is a huge deal. Knowing when to open loops, when to close loops, knowing how to uh, create curiosity in people. So maybe we should do like a, a role play about opening loops. Oh, goodness. How do we do this? So in Don't my ask other, me to open. In my other example, I said, Ash, remind me to tell everybody about how I almost won a half a million dollars uh, yesterday. It was insane. I was, I was this close to doing it. Then I changed the subject, started talking about something. Uh, that's one way to open a loop. But another way to open a loop is just to tell someone something you're about to say. And that's a version of opening a loop. So when you're talking or you're doing a video, even in an email, you know, sometimes at the bottoms of my email, uh, I'll put something like, you know, I never knew that that this single choice is what changed my life forever. I can't wait to share it with you in tomorrow's email. Right. I gotta know. So, so you, it doesn't mean that that person likes that I said that or that they're going to give me money. You see these things, there's lots of little things. And when you sprinkle all the ingredients in to bake the cake, what happens is it yields a way bigger result yep. than if there's no strategy into all of it, right? Opening a loop isn't the thing that makes it successful. You have to be great at what you do. You have to have integrity. You have to have a great offer. There's, there's all the obvious things, right? You have to be able to deliver on your promise. But when, if you do do those things, which I assume you can't, this is what will put it over the top. And it's kind of like a dog whistle for your customers. Like it makes your customers' ears perk up a little bit more. So it's not like it is bringing in people that you don't want to be your customers. It's like talking to your customers and it's like they have a dog whistle and they their ears perk up. Basically, yeah. their ears perk up. Yeah, I mean, the dog whistle analogy is good for like when we were talking about the Kate Spade purse and uh, when you use certain language that really only means any, something to your customers. Like no one care. I don't care about a Kate Spade purse. I, that, I wouldn't even see it. It wouldn't even go into my brain, right? That's what dog whistle means is when you're using uh, language and you're saying things that are little phrases, alliterations, little power words, proprietizing little things that your customer will hear because that's on their radar. It's a value to them, right? If we're talking about the bald guy that wants the hair to talk to the girl, there's certain things we say that most people don't notice ever, right? And, and, and you can go deep. The way to do this is just to start writing down attributes of your perfect customer. Some people tell me they don't know who their perfect customer is. Uh, it's not that hard. What you do is you think in your brain right now who your perfect customer is because you're already thinking of someone. You're already thinking that that one lady that's been paying you for 12 years and never complained and gave you all the referrals and she's amazing. She tips your technicians every day. Think of that person plus a couple other ones and then just write down the attributes of these people. 
right? What type of demeanor do they have? What type of personality do they have? Do they drink wine? Do they in a golf club? Do they crochet? What's their deal, right? What's their deal? Lululemon is a big fashion apparel company. They have an 84 page avatar document. They have an 84 page. What's that? Her, I think her name's Ocean, right? Or is that the? Yeah. Name? Yes, I think it is. I, I'm not 100. Like they know exactly who. Ocean is the female. We might be conflating two different ones, but Lululemon has an 84 page doc. They know what brand of wine the lady drinks and they they sell leggings. Okay. And, and you don't have to go that deep. That's how you do that. Okay. Let's keep rolling. I got to disappear. Yeah. We're going to talk about PPP, which is actually an alliterated uh, thing, right? To make the point of alliteration. This is from Myron Golden. Myron is one of the most prolific teachers ever. I'm obsessed with this stuff. I know him in real life. He's actually a friend of mine. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. I've known him for like five years. He's amazing. I learned a lot from him. And one of the things he taught me was called the principle, parable, and picture uh, framework. So when you're telling a story, whether it's a Facebook Live or an email or anything, what you want to do, you don't just want to say the thing, okay? People that teach incorrectly, what they do is they just say the point. You need to say this. You need to do this. Any questions? Great. Okay. Like lecture style. Lecture doesn't captivate. Lecture doesn't build a movement. Like lecture doesn't make your content addictive or interesting or shareable. But using PPP does because what you do is you create a parable uh, and you paint a picture and then you make a principle. So the best way I guess to like, we need to pick a principle to use as an example, Ash. Like maybe the principle of uh, let me see. Let me see. Let me see. Like if you don't do hard things, like good things will happen to you. Okay. okay. So let's say I want to make a video about that. Right. And I'm like, well, how do I say it? What do I do? Oh, I know I'm going to remember recession marketing and the PPP, the picture parable and principle. Okay. I know what the principle is. All the good thing is just on the other side of hard things. Right. So then I think of a story. That's what parable means. Story. I think of a story. How can I think of a story that underlines and makes the point without me saying the point. I could tell the story about a little boy who is really skinny and the bullies beat him up. And he started going to the gym every day at 8 a.m. And he did it for seven years straight. And then he became this bodybuilder, karate champion in the USA of the world. And then he had the opportunity to beat up his middle school bully, but he didn't do it. Why? Because he didn't need to anymore. He knew who he was. He had the inner strength to not even beat up the bully, right? I just made that up. <laughs> Off the top of your head. But, but he had to do the hard things to get the result. Then I might paint a picture or use proprietary language. Like I might say, um, one I came up with uh, last week was little root, little fruit. Ooh, I like that. Little roots, little fruits. Okay. That is a, it's a clean, smooth, buttery way to make a point, right? So if you're using the, if you're painting a parable, you have a story and you learn how to use tone and mirroring and pacing and emphasis the right way. And you tell the story and you talk really fast for certain parts of the story and you use your animated things and you have enthusiasm and then you slow it down and you, and you start to piece together and paint the mosaic of what we're talking about right now and use alliteration for the people that are broke, busy, stressed, and skeptical. Cause even when you're a little boy, you got to know that if you got little roots, you got little fruits, you got to do hard things. You got to, you got to go down to get up, right? You got to give up to get up. There's all these things and you do it. And then now all of a sudden you have a video or a piece of content that is in a different stratosphere of, uh, of quality than everybody else. And I promise you in the home service business, if you can get, if you can get 7% of what I'm talking about, you win. You win. That's exactly win. what I was thinking. Seven percent. That's your target, right? Um, obviously, there's ways to go deeper with this, uh, mm -hmm. but anyway, okay. Let's keep going. I'm gonna bury you here. Ah. Pew, pew. There we go. 
We got pre-framing and reframing. Pre-framing and reframing. Pre-framing is when you, you control the frame someone walks into a situation through. Again, this might seem advanced, but it can be really simple. I'll, I'll give you an example. When, uh, when I would have to discipline an employee uh, back in the day, I would set a particular frame to make sure he took our conversation very seriously. I'll just give you one technique, okay? So someone's repeatedly messing up. They're not changing. They're not evil, right? Because there's three types of employees. You have good employees, naughty employees, and evil employees. That's from Mike Dahlke. Naughty employees, we're okay. We just got to coach them through it, right? Evil employees, you got to cut the cancer out. And you can tell the difference between just like like rebellious, evil, wicked, cancerous people. And there's the ones that are messing up. They're having a hard day. There's stuff going on, right? So he's naughty. He's normally good, but he's been naughty. So what do I do? So I send a text message at 8 a.m. And I say, stop by my office at, after work today. We need to talk, period. That's what I say, okay? Now, Maybe my phone rings, right? Because I basically opened a loop on the guy, <laughs> okay? He's like, he's like, wait, what, what, what? I don't answer. He texts back, what's going on? I'll see you at the end of the day, period. Now, you don't say anything rude. You don't say anything nice. It's, it's ambiguous on purpose. That's called controlling the frame. So what I've done is I've set a tone that's going to be with this person until the end of the day. Then at the end of the day, when they come into my office, they're, they've been thinking about it all day, right? They're trying to guess what it is and they're overthinking. They're stressed out about it. When they come into my office, what I do is I'm the nicest guy ever. Super happy to see him. I'm like, Johnny, what's up? Dab it up, right? Get in here. Come on, have a seat, right? I sit him in the chair. Now he's really confused, right? And all this is framing control. So they sit in the chair. I go around to my desk. I sit down. Then when I sit down, I start to talk. I say, listen, actually, let me do this. I stand up, I walk back around my desk and I sit in the chair one foot away from Johnny. I turn the chair. So we're toes to toes, nose to nose. I say, hey, can I level with you, Johnny? Here's the issue. And, and, and here's how we can fix it. And my job, I want to help you fix it, but I just want to be really, really clear. If we don't fix it, you can't work here anymore. And I would hate that. You know, can I count on you to fix it? For example, right? Okay, so can you feel that? You can feel the weight of it? It's <laughs> My stomach it's, is in knots for him. And it's not even a real person. The thing is, is this is an act of love to this person. Because what it does is it gives me the opportunity to clearly communicate to them by pre-framing things correctly. Now, from a sales perspective, a pre-frame might be you want your customer to think you're gonna be really expensive. This is what we did in our service company. I wanted every single element, every cell, every molecule to scream you can't afford us and then have them be pleasantly surprised that we're only $250 more than the other quotes that they got, right? Because if you can anchor them to this high anticipated thing and then you're $800 and the other guy's $500, you still win, right? That's called a pre-frame. You can pre-frame through the way that you explain and articulate your services. Mrs. Jones says, okay, if I explain why our company is a little bit different, because we're kind of weird in a good way, but it would it be fair enough if I just explain that? Thank you so much. First of all, we offer an extremely high level of service to our cu customers to the point where it's, it's really abnormal. And a lot of people don't choose to do business the same way that we do. We're a luxury top shelf white glove service provider. Every single technician is paid a living wage. Their kids go to school with your kids. This is a career path for them. They're professional technicians. They love what they do almost in an uncomfortably nerdy way. And because of that, uh, we charge a premium. And we understand that not everyone can afford our services, uh, but we still think in the long run, it's a better way to do business. Fair enough? 
Okay, so what I did when I used that script is I set a frame. And so whether the customer likes it or not, or what they think of it, it doesn't matter what they think about it. What I did is I clearly said, we're a lot. That's what I said. And then when they're pleasantly surprised, that's good. A reframe, when you reframe someone, it's when you take someone who's looking at it wrong and you flip it, right? So if someone says you're expensive, you say you can't afford it. That's not the same thing as it being expensive. Now, you wouldn't say it that direct. <laughs> it's like, oh my gosh. It's like, that's expensive. It's like, no, our affluent customers think it's quite a bargain, actually. Um, Don't say that. Don't say that. <laughs> I'm being sarcastic and silly, but that's what a reframe is. And then the last two real quick is, uh, and of course, you know, you can ask questions about this stuff. And over the next few weeks, I'm going to uh, answer tons of questions in this group for free. And then I'll kind of be like gone forever out of this group. Um, but I am here to serve you and I am all yours. So if you want to do examples, you want to role play, like we're going to be able to do all that stuff. Uh, the last two are counter uh, intuitive conclusions. Uh, which I kind of went over in another video. So maybe I shouldn't have put that on here. And then certainty. I just want to encourage everybody to walk with an abnormal level of certainty because certainty is contagious. Belief is transferable. Ashley and I refer to ourselves as belief brokers a lot of times. If you ask me what my core competency is, you know, maybe I would say marketing, but really what I think it is is belief brokering. I truly believe you can change your life for the rest of your life, that you can change your family tree forever. I, I am so persuaded by this. It's 100%. It's not if you believe or if you don't believe. It's how much you, I believe all the much, all the way of the much <laughs> that you can crush it. That yeah. Nobody is smarter, as smart as you think that you are, that your genetics, your background, your history, the things your daddies and granddaddies did doesn't impact anything that's going to happen to you. Like you can change it. You can pivot. You can learn this stuff. I barely made it through high school. I did not go to college. We have a bachelor's degree in pain and master's in suffering. But when I say walking with certainty, I mean talking like I just talked to you for the last 30 seconds where you're transferring belief, right? Yeah. Like not only are we going to clean your house and over deliver to you, that's that's like the level one part of what we do. We're doing three layers deeper than that, Mrs. Jones. Then we're going to do this. Then we're going to do this. Then we're going to we're going to do our tr triple counter inverse inspection protocol to make sure that blah, 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 right? Because now I'm proprietizing language and I'm looking at the whole customer experience. I'm looking at tone and mirroring and pacing. I'm looking at all the language and I'm wrapping it in enthusiasm and certainty and I'm framing things correct and I'm telling parables and principles and, and, and painting pictures for people. And that is a recipe to persuade. Certainty is the thing that changes the world in any business. Um, why, look at anybody who walks with certainty like Elon Musk or... Uh, Jeff Bezos, they walk with certainty. And so uncertainty is something that you can get a skill. Yeah. Just one last point on that is that this is a lot of narcissistic bad people have the most certainty, which is why they have a disproportionate number of CEO jobs on Wall Street. Yep. They run the biggest companies like these are bad people. Right. But it's, the reason why they're successful is because they're so sure of themselves and yep. good people are less sure of themselves. Yeah. And it's really unfortunate, right? What you got to realize is you don't have to, uh, you're not proclaiming to the universe that you're perfect and have it figured out just because you're going to call your shot and say, ma'am, not only can we do this project for you, but we're going to crush it for you. We're going to over deliver for you. And it's going to be amazing. When you have that level of certainty, you're not saying that there's not the possibility you couldn't mess it up. You just got to stop acting like maybe you will mess it up while you're talking <laughs> about it with the person, which is what people have a tendency to do. Hey, before you go, make sure you go to watchjoshpitch.com where you're going to see me make the most uh, 
insane valuable offer I've ever made in my business career in the last 15 years. And plus you get a lesson on how I did it and why I did it. It's a real offer, go watch it. And you could be entered to win $10,000 in free video production from Warplant Studios. I'd love to see you in Dallas, Texas. I hope you win. Go to watchjoshpitch.com and I will see you in the next video.